Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, guys. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. I just almost died getting a spray tan. That is a little bit dramatic, but I felt like I was going to die while getting a spray tan. You guys know my girl, Mads Tans. I've been going to her for a while now. So I'm standing there getting my spray tan and I'm like, I'm feeling weird. I started to feel very like kind of hot and lightheaded And I was like, hey, I'm feeling a little bit lightheaded and like warm. So she was like, okay, let me turn the fan towards you. She turns the fan towards me so I can like cool off. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to pass out. (laughs) I think I'm going to pass out. I am butt ass naked. Completely. She's spray tanning me. Like I'm completely naked. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to pass out. This has happened to me before. I th- I'm pretty sure I've talked about this. Like I have this, this vasovagal thing where like anytime I get my blood taken or I get like an injection, like Botox or something, or just, I, I don't even know what it is. I think when I was getting the, the spray tan, I was locking my knees out on accident. And basically with vasovagal, it's when like you're, it's vagal with a V like Victor, not B like Bravo. But yeah, so the vasovagal thing, it it's when the blood like pools in your legs. It's not like pumping up through your body enough. So you get really lightheaded. That's at least what I was told. If you have any sort of medical knowledge and I'm completely wrong, feel free, feel free to correct me. That's what I was told. So I was told when I start to feel it just to lay down and put my legs up. This happened like it, it never happened to me until like my junior year of high school. I gave blood. I used to give blood all the time. Universal donor here. You're welcome for saving the world. So I used to always give blood. And then this random time, I just, I passed out and I got, well, I got super lightheaded, passed out. And ever since then, I am super sensitive to a bunch of different things. So yeah, like I said, anything with needles, but also any like sort of like sudden pain. Like if I'm at the gynecologist and like they're doing like my pelvic exam and I get like a sharp pain or something like that, I can, I feel like I'm about to pass out. So anyway, I'm getting the spray tan. I'm like, Maddie, I am going to pass out. I need to lay on the floor. I am naked, fully naked. And I had to lay on the floor and put my feet up. And I was like, just don't like stand up with my feet because you're going to see my butthole. Like, and basically everything else. I mean, not that it would have been such a shock. I mean, she's already spray tanning me. But anyway, so I'm laying there. I'm, I'm freshly tanned. <laughs> and I almost 
pass out. She was like, I've had people pass out before. So just like, let me know if you need anything. <laughs> she was really cool about it. And I told her, I was like, I really do think I'm fine. Like, I just need to put my legs up and I'll be better in a second. But I almost, yeah, almost bit the dust while getting bronzed. So that was weird. Anyway, got to the car, had some fruit snacks, laid down for a minute. And here we are. That was literally like 40 minutes ago when that happened. And I was like, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm not going to be able to do this episode. <laughs> it's going to be so sad. So I'm glad we made it. And I am here. So earlier today, I was talking to Lucy. And I was like, what am I going to do for my episode? Because I'm pre-recording because I'm going to California this weekend, which will be very fun. But when I go out of town, you know, I record an episode in advance. So I was going back and forth. I was like, should we do in-laws again? I like I like doing these recurring segments because I know they're really popular. You guys like, I, I like to do them because you guys will hear the episode and then it will spark like, oh, I have a story I need to tell. So then I got to do a follow-up. And then that usually just ends up that it's a recurring, recurring topic. So I'm going through the in-law stories and I'm like, yeah, you know, we could do this. And then Lucy was like, what if you did an episode about all of the most iconic celebrity scandals that have happened in like our lifetime? And I loved it. And I realized I haven't done like a pop culture episode in a while, it seems like. And I thought that this was just perfect. We're coming off the heels of Scandival, which I mean, the minute that reunion ended, I was so done with Scandival. I was so over it. I was I I can't even spend one more moment thinking or talking about it. It still comes up on my TikTok. Like people are still talking about the minutia of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I, I, this is not interesting to me anymore. However, there are scandals that have happened in the last 20 years that still fascinate me that I would still love to talk about. I asked you guys, what are some of the most iconic that you guys remember? And I compiled a list of some of the most, you know, the most memorable or the ones that kind of define why, like, I, I don't know. I've been trying to think of why our childhoods were so <laughs> defined by celebrity scandals because it's not like we had social media. It's not like we were getting a constant news cycle of like things that celebrities were doing. But I think that that is the reason why the big things that happened seem so big because if they made it to us as like nine and 10 year olds, it had to have been huge. Things like the Tiger Woods scandal, the Martha Stewart prison sentence, like we, then we're going to talk about both of those they must have been big because now with social media and everything that we consume, we hear about every single little tiny scandal that's happened in every tiny celebrity's life. And I know some people think like, I didn't really include anything super recent. I mean, some of these are, are more recent, but I mean, things like the Chloe and Tristan cheating scandal. Like, I don't know if that's like going to define a generation the same way that Martha Stewart going to prison will. Like for sure it's memorable. It's, you know, a big deal, whatever, but it just doesn't pack the same punch as those early 2000s, like 2000 to 2010-ish scandals. So without any further ado, let's get into some of the most iconic celebrity scandals that have defined us as millennials and Gen Z and shout out to my Gen X listeners. You too. Here we go. The first one we're going to talk about is, of course, Martha Stewart's prison sentence. First of all, a common dum-dum club is that a lot of us grew up thinking that Martha Stewart owns Martha's Vineyard. She doesn't. Not related. Completely different. I did go to Martha's Vineyard one time when I was a kid because it's on the, it's in New England. I'm pretty sure. 
I mean, I just, I have a picture of myself as a little kid with a Martha's Vineyard sweatshirt on. Anyway, I for sure thought that Martha Stewart owned it. I also thought that Martha Stewart went to prison for stealing recipes. I don't know who told me that. It's probably one of those things in elementary school where like, you know, one person said it and then it stuck with us forever. I saw a meme about that and somebody sent it to me and said, this is kind of like the origin of the Dum Dum Club. Because when you didn't have Google and somebody told you a fact, you just kind of accepted it as a fact. And then you didn't ever do any other research. So if I heard that, you know, Martha Stewart stole recipes, that stuck with me. There was no need to look it up. I already knew the facts. So whatever. But let me tell you a little bit about Martha Stewart's prison sentence. Back in 2001, at the height of her career, a then 60-year-old Martha, can you believe she's in her 80s? She looks killer. She just did Sports Illustrated. 60-year-old Martha was caught insider trading. According, according to the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the popular TV personality abruptly sold nearly 4,000 shares of Imclone system. I think it's Imclone Systems stock based on insider information from her Merrill Lynch broker, Peter Bakanovich. Bakanovich, yeah. The stock value fell dramatically the day after her sale. After a six-week trial in March 2004, a jury found Martha guilty of felony charges, including lying to federal investigators, obstruction of an agency proceeding, and conspiracy to obstruct per Wikipedia. In July of that same year, she was sentenced to five months in a federal facility and two years of of supervised release with five months of electronic monitoring. She was also fined $30,000. That seems low to me, $30,000, among other harsh penalties imposed over a 2006 SEC civil case. In October 2017, Martha opened up to Katie Couric on on the Today Anchors podcast, calling it a horrifying experience. It was horrifying and no one, no one should have to go through that kind of indignity really, except for murderers and a few other categories is what Martha told Katie, but no one should have to go through that. It is a very, very awful thing. I think there were rumors going around that Martha's prison time was like not that bad, but yeah, the way she describes it, I mean, she says it was very, very dehumanizing. And again, did not know about the insider trading thing, but man has Martha made a comeback. What a queen. I mean, really big bummer that she broke a lot of federal laws, but good for her for making the best, making lemon, le- making lemonade out of lemons. Almost got that mixed up. Okay, the next scandal that has remained prevalent, the Winona Ryder shoplifting scandal. I love Winona Ryder, by the way. I just want to say that. I think that she is the coolest. So here's what happened there. On December 12, 2001, Ryder was arrested on shoplifting charges in Beverly Hills, California, accused of stealing $5,500 worth of designer clothes and accessories at a Saks Fifth Avenue department store. Los Angeles District Attorney Stephen Cooley assembled a team of eight prosecutors and filed four felony charges against her. Ryder hired celebrity defense attorney Mark Garagos. Negotiations failed to produce a plea bargain at the end of summer 2002. Joel Mowbray from National Review noted that the prosecution was not ready to offer her a no-contest plea on misdemeanor charges. She was accused of using drugs, including oxycodone, diazepam, oh my gosh, all of these words, diazepam, gosh, those are really hard to say right in a row, and Vicodin without a valid prescription, but prosecutors dropped a drug possession count after it was proved that a doctor provided it to her as a medical treatment. She was convicted of grand theft and shoplifting, but was acquitted on the charge of burglary. In December 2002, she was sentenced to three years of probation, 480 hours of community service, 
$3,700 in fines and $6,355 in restitution to the Saks Fifth Avenue store. She was ordered to attend psychological counseling and drug counseling. And on June 18th, 2004, Superior Court Judge Eldon Fox reviewed Ryder's probation report and observed that she had served 480 hours of community service and the felonies were reduced to misdemeanors. She finished her probation in December 2005. Winona explained that the incident occurred during a difficult time of her life. She added that the painkilling medication that a quack physician prescribed her clouded her judgment significantly. Her doctor who prescribed the medication subsequently had his medical license revoked for unethically providing medication to his patients. I feel like this, I mean, this is of course not the first time that a huge celebrity has been caught shoplifting. I wonder, I mean, I wonder the psychology behind it. I mean, they obviously have the money to do it. I don't know if, is it like the thrill? Is it like they feel cooped up and stuck and in a cage and they want to get some sort of adrenaline rush? I mean, obviously she had some, you know, she had these really strong painkillers in her system that can cloud your judgment. Like she said, yeah, I always wonder why. And then you get into like the more sinister side of celebrity, which is like they get too famous and they can do too much. And then they start actually hurting individual people because it's like they have the fame and the power. And I mean, we'll talk about that when we get to, you know, the worst person who's ever lived, which is R. Kelly. But let's talk about Michael Jackson now. Like I said last week, I don't really get how Michael Jackson has slipped through the cracks of cancel culture. I feel like people always say about him, like, well, he was just a kid at heart. Like he suffered abuse. And so, you know, he just, he never grew up. I don't really care because if you hurt kids, not an excuse. There's a lot of people who go through a lot of horrible things in their life that don't end up hurting children. Like I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's very weird that we've just kind of swept him under the rug. But let me remind you of when he held his baby over the ledge of a high rise building. In November, 2002, Michael Jackson held his then nine month old son, Prince Michael II, then chiefly known by his nickname, Blanket. I mean, of course, what other nickname do you get out of Prince Michael II? Clear, clear cut blanket nickname over the ledge of his Berlin hotel room's balcony as he greeted a mass of fans who'd congregated below. By the early 2000s, Jackson had already faced allegations of child molestation and began engaging in increasingly erratic behavior, essentially squandering the modicum of public goodwill he had remained or he'd had remaining and inviting a deluge of scathing tabloid coverage. In a twist of more than who wrote this more than irony, Jackson was actually in Berlin to accept an award for his charity work benefiting children. He would go on to say that the only reason he did it was to show the audience his child. He was like, they were so excited to see him. I just had to, had to show them, had to show them the baby. That's not how you present a baby to the world. Like, have you ever seen anybody do that? Like you can just stand on a balcony and hold them, but you don't have to dangle them over the edge. Oh, it just makes my stomach drop. Just like thinking of, I mean, there's a million videos of it. It's just like, oh, anyway, blanket goes by Biggie now. And he lives primarily out of the spotlight. His sister, Paris, you know, she's a model. She's, we see her around. But yeah, Blanket has now stepped out of the spotlight, but he does occasionally speak publicly on climate change. So good for him. Hope he is stable and living his best life. The next one we're going to cover is one that in a strange turn of events, probably the one we all remember the most. And that is the Tiger Woods cheating scandal. There are just a handful of athletes, at least that I can remember in my life that like kind of transcend the sport that they play. 
that are like they 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 become this very like household name like they're just kind of a fixture in our lives like we don't even really look at them as athletes it's just like they're just people that everybody knows i i don't really know how to describe it but like obviously michael jordan tiger woods those are the people that i'm talking about they're they're obviously famous for the sport that they play but they kind of start to transcend that when they reach this level of fame that's where tiger woods was let's go over this The last decade has been a chaotic one for Tiger Woods, but once upon a time, his personal life seemed blissful with his beautiful wife with whom he shares Sam, now 13, and Charlie, 12. But in November 2009, a story broke that Woods had been having an affair with a New York City nightclub hostess called Rachel Ucatel. I'm almost positive I'm pronouncing that right. She'd been photographed checking into the same hotel as Woods during the Australian Masters and had apparently told friends that she was in love with him. Before the story was about to hit newsstands, Woods had tried to shut it down and put his wife on the phone with Ucatel, according to the Daily Beast. The two women reportedly spoke for half an hour, but I'm I'm pretty sure her name is Elin. It's E-L-I-N. I, I don't think it's Ellen. I think it's Elin. Wasn't convinced by her story. When Woods left his phone unattended, she went through it and found the name of another woman who she contacted. Elin said nothing and went or and when the story came out the next day which was thanksgiving she was said to be horrified by the details of the affair woods had apparently met ukatel 4 months after his son was born what is wrong with people when i hear about people cheating when they have a newborn or when their wife is pregnant give me a break like keep it in your pants and have some dignity we go on she had shown friends sexy messages that they'd sent each other and told pals that Woods was divorcing his wife. Elin then reported or then reportedly went through his phone again and found some of the messages from Woods, including one that said, you are the only woman I've ever loved. The police tried to interview the couple, but they refused to cooperate and a judge declined the cop's request for a subpoena, forcing them to talk. Those cops like that. There is literally no reason for cops to need or cops to, yeah, to need to talk to them about their affair. Like, yeah, it's shitty to cheat on your wife with a million women. It's not illegal. You don't need to subpoena them to tell you the hot goss. After that, several more women came out, including porn stars, strippers, and escorts to say that they too had slept with Woods during his marriage. Within two weeks, 14 women had come forward, but it was estimated that he cheated with over 120 women. And of course, probably the most iconic part of this was when we all heard that Elon had chased him around the house with a golf club and then destroyed the house and his car. He also got in a car accident this night when he tried to leave their house and was taken into the hospital. But yeah, this obviously affected the way a lot of people saw Tiger. It affected his career. He lost endorsement deals with Nike, Gatorade, Gillette. And now he seems to be doing fine. And this kind of bugs me a little bit. He's like reemerged. I mean, I feel like we're in like a, a renaissance of golf right now. I'm a part of it. I can't deny it. I've like, you know, I've entered a golfer girl era. But I just, you know, I see all these videos of him with his son, Charlie, who's like an amazing golfer. And I just I haven't forgotten about the scandal. And it seems like a lot of people have. It's just an interesting thing that we do with athletes. You know, we we see like celebrities that are singers and actors and all this stuff. And when they do things that we don't like, a lot of times we don't consume their content, their art. We don't really separate the art from the artist anymore, which is fine. Do it, do what you need to do. 
But with athletes, we tend to separate the art from the artist quite a bit. I think of people like Floyd Mayweather, who has been charged with beating up his girlfriends, who's basically a, a terrible, terrible person, still makes millions upon millions of dollars to fight. You know, to he's a boxer and he still has endorsement deals and people still pay to go see him. And when it's athletes, I don't know what the dynamic is there, but it it bothers me. I also think that athletes, we assume that they are inspiring people because so many of so many like underdog stories and inspiring stories come from the world of sports. But a lot of times professional athletes are bad people. Like I feel like people really want Michael Jordan to be like a very, very, very good guy. And he's not. He's like kind of a jerk. Same with Tiger Woods. Like he's the best golfer that's ever lived. We want him to be inspiring. We want him to be a role model. And he's just not a good guy. So I don't I don't know why that happens with sports and not other forms of entertainment, but it's weird. And Tiger, if I ever see you, just know I didn't forget. I will always be Team Elon. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Nuts.com. Do you enjoy snacks? Is that something that you enjoy in your life? Because I'm pretty sure that's the reason I am alive. Cashews, gummy bears, olives, popcorn, taffy, trail mix, sesame sticks, dried fruit, anything you can think of, I want to be snacking. Nuts.com is your one-stop shop for freshly roasted nuts, yes, but also dried fruit, sweets, pantry staples like specialty flowers, and more. Their wide selection means there is something for everyone. Nuts.com also offers plenty of gluten-free options, organic choices, and other diet-friendly products. Whether you're looking for something sweet, savory, or you need to stock up on everyday cooking essentials, you're bound to find something you love. I love their dried mango. I also love their chocolate-covered gummy bears and their trail mixes. I do have like a bunch of those in my pantry right now, and they're great to just grab a little handful of when you're on the go. You can also shop a la carte at any time, or you can opt into hassle-free auto delivery so you never run out of your favorite items. And if you're already stocked up at home, they also sell directly to businesses. Snack with satisfaction knowing that quality is a top priority at nuts.com. They roast their nuts and pop their corn the same day it ships, so they reach you deliciously fresh. Right now, Nuts.com is offering new customers a free gift with purchase and free shipping on orders of $29 or more at Nuts.com slash bad. So go check out all of the delicious options at Nuts.com slash bad to get a free gift and free shipping when you spend $29 or more. Once again, that is Nuts.com slash bad. Okay. Let's go on to the iconic, the unforgettable, the century-defining scandal that is Brad and Jen and Angelina. Let's go over a little timeline here. I also just want to say every single one of these scandals could have their own episode. Like we could go into every single detail. I'm just giving kind of some overviews here because it's fun to remember all of these and, you know, it's interesting. Okay, so Brad and Jen meet in 1994. Their managers were friends and they start dating in 1998 and then they marry in 2000. Summer 2004 is when Mr. and Mrs. Smith begins filming, which stars Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, of course. 
there's rumors flying around here, right? Are they or aren't they? Did they cheat? Did they not? But they will both publicly say that that is when they fell in love. Oh, my foot's cramping. Hold on. So in January 2005 is when Brad and Jen announced their split and they have a public statement. It says this has nothing to do with the rumors. Of course, they're going to say that. It has everything to do with the rumors. The smoking gun is that after being spotted vacationing together in Kenya in April of January, to, or sorry, in April of 2005, Brad and Angelina are featured in an extensive W Magazine spread titled Domestic Bliss. The images depict the two as a happy couple and they were taken in March. So two months after the split was announced, not even finalized. Team Gen fans are outraged and Aniston says, says that there is a sensitivity chip missing in response to the spread. She's kind of saying that about Brad, like he wasn't, you know, all that sensitive to what it could do to her. Jolie also adopted her six-month-old Zahara from Ethiopia at the same time, and Brad went with her on the trip. And then they confirmed that they are expecting their first baby together three months after Brad Pitt's after Brad and Jen's divorce was finalized three months after. A judge also grants a request to change Maddox and Zahara's last names to Jolie Pitt and Pitt's legal adoptions of the children are finalized soon thereafter. I think that this is an interesting case study on how we view women just kind of based on their looks and their public personas. I think that Jennifer Aniston has the like kind of all American, goofy, blonde, sweet hometown girl vibes. And Angelina Jolie obviously serves like kind of an edgier, sharper, all black, dark lipstick, wears blood around her neck. Like that's what she's serving. And so obviously with just those things in mind, just the public persona of both of them, everybody was team Jen. And they're not necessarily wrong. Obviously she was the one who was wronged in the situation. But here's where I ask you, when are we going to start blaming Brad? Because it was kind of his fault. You know, he was the catalyst in both the relationship with Jen and the subsequent cheating on and relationship with Angelina Jolie. So should we really be putting these women against each other? Probably not. Also, I, I've just learned with all these celebrity scandals, the news cycle keeps spinning. Everything gets swept under the rug eventually. Like, I feel like with Scandal, people are like, oh, Raquel is never going to work again. She's never going to. Yeah, she is. People are going to forget about it. Another scandal is going to come along. Like when I think it was during COVID when they did that Zoom reading of Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt are both there and they're like, hey, Pitt, hey, Aniston. It's like, things just move along. And that's a very comforting thing in all of our lives and probably the lives of celebrities too. But like, no matter how bad it gets, worse things will come along and people will forget about you and your misdeeds will probably be put out of the spotlight. So let's talk about Brittany for a moment. Our queen, our queen that we're all concerned about currently. We've been concerned about her for years. Peace, love, hope to Brittany. I love her and I hope she's okay. But let's talk about the infamous head shaving of 2007. This is kind of just a pivotal point in Brittany's public meltdowns. It's what led to her conservatorship that she's been in all of these years, you know, that she's recently been released from. But let's talk about the timeline of that. So 
Amidst a child custody battle with KFED, Spears entered a California hair salon in February 2007, requesting to have her head shaved. After the stylist initially refused her request, the singer grabbed a nearby electric razor and began shaving her head while a horde of paparazzi circled the salon like buzzards, snapping photos of the singer inside. Though she has yet to discuss the incident in great detail, media speculation for the star's sudden decision ranged from evidence of a complete psychotic break to an effort to avoid follicle drug testing to risk hurting her case for sole custody of her kids. The salon incident ignited further tabloid scrutiny to her private life and would later be weaponized by her father, Jamie, to place her under a suffocating conservatorship and the the American singer would subsequently remain under until late 2021. I just think that there has been nobody less protected and more misunderstood than Britney Spears. I think that she was just literally fed to the wolves and had nobody in her corner. And that's what's so sad about all the public breakdowns. I mean, she was going through obviously intense trauma, probably postpartum, probably scared of her dad, scared of her ex-husband. And the salon worker who was talking to her before she wanted to shave her head, she said, I'm just, I'm sick of everybody touching me. She said, I'm sick of everybody touching my hair. I don't want to have hair because I don't want to have anybody touching me. Can you imagine the overstimulation? I get overstimulated when somebody's talking to me and I'm watching TikTok. Like that almost pushes me to the edge of, of losing my mind. So can you imagine the life of just public and constant scrutiny? So, I mean, scrutiny doesn't even cover it. I mean, having people down your throat all day, every day, commenting on everything you've ever done, said, worn, thought, sung, performed, everything. Like, of course, like she hit a point where she wasn't mentally well. And guess who decided to help her? No one. Her dad decided to lock her up, take her money, and keep her docile so that he could continue to use her. So, like Wendy Williams says, shame, shame on you, Mr. Spears. And again, there's some weird stuff going on with Britney's, you know, social media right now. People are thinking it's like all photoshopped or green screened. It's just, it's looking weird. So hopefully she's okay and we can, you know, get some info on that. Let's talk about Mel Gibson. Kind of a forgotten scandal. But when I read about it, I was like, yeah, that is that is why I kind of don't like Mel Gibson. It was solidified as when I was a kid why I don't like Mel Gibson. Same with Alec Baldwin when we'll get into Alec Baldwin's in a minute. But let's talk about Mel Gibson's DUI and then his anti-Semitic tirade. Gibson was arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol in the early hours of July 28, 2006, after being spotted driving erratically on the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu, California. During the arrest, Gibson made a slew of vitriolic anti-Semitic comments to the arresting officer, including, actually, you know, it says here what he said. I'm not going to say it because it's gross and I don't, I don't want to say it with my own voice. But he says something disgusting about the Jewish people. The audio recording of the arrest was subsequently leaked to the press, leading to widespread criticism and condemnation of the Braveheart director. Gibson later pleaded no contest to the DUI charge and was sentenced to three years of probation, mandated participation in alcohol education program, and ordered to pay fines and restitution for his offense. The actor-director later apologized for his behavior, sought treatment for alcoholism, and met with leaders of the Jewish community in an attempt to make amends for his actions. Anti-Semitic stuff, I don't get it. I don't get how people veer towards that so often. It is so gross and so bizarre. But I do remember this very well. I do remember Mel Gibson being a total psycho 
And I just watched a TikTok of Robert Downey Jr., who had also struggled with a lot of substance abuse, alcoholism, things like that, talking about how Mel Gibson was kind of like his lifeline. And he cast him in movies when he couldn't find work. And he put a roof over his head, kept food on the table. So obviously, I I don't believe that the majority of people are beyond help and beyond change. I think that it is good to allow people to change. Otherwise, that's, I mean, it's, it's a weird concept to think that people can mess up and then they can never come back from it and that they should be defined by the horrible things that they do. I, I just believe that there is, there is another, what's the word I'm looking for? I just believe there's, there's forward motion for people who mess up a lot. And it seems like he, he did his best. I mean, I'm hoping I, I do not have every single bit of information of Mel, you know, that's ever come out about Mel Gibson, but hopefully he used a lot of his horrible shit that he did to help other people, to make amends, to learn more about why it was wrong. So I'm trying not to hate Mel Gibson, but what can I say? When the scandal comes out when you're 10 years old, I mean, it's like cement in your brain. Another one that is like cement in my brain, Michael Vick and his dog fighting ring. How weird was this? Like, why, why are celebrities so weird? Why don't they just have normal hobbies? You have so much money. Go to Italy eat good food, pay for your friends to go to Disney World, like get cooler hobbies than dogfighting. Let's talk about this. Former NFL quarterback Michael Vick was indicted in 2007 on charges relating to an illegal dogfighting ring dubbed Bad News Kennels. He was funding and operating on his rural Virginia property from 2001 to 2007. Vick's involvement in the ring was uncovered during a drug investigation targeting Vick's cousin, Devon Bodie or Body. B-O-D-D-I-E, I think it's body, revealing gruesome abuse, torture, and execution of dogs on Vic's property. What? Like, why? Why is this your, your hobby? In August 2007, Vic pleaded guilty to charges of dogfighting and conspiracy and was sentenced to 23 months in federal prison. Despite the egregious nature of Vic's crimes, he was reinstated by the NFL following his release from prison, signing a $100 million six-year contract with the Eagles in 2011. So he just kept on trucking, literally. That's gross. Like, who in their right mind is like, I have so much money. You want to know what I want to do? Hurt dogs. That sounds tight. That sounds like a really fun way to spend my money. Give me a break. Next up, we've got the John and Kate Goslin divorce. I just did a Patreon episode about the Duggars, and I realized that the, you know, John and Kate plus eight was almost, if not maybe more, iconic to me than the Duggars growing up. Also, I saw John Goslin at the mall one time. It was crazy. Okay, let's talk about this. Stars of the TLC reality television show, John and Kate Plus 8, John and Kate Goslin, announced their separation and eventual divorce in 2009 amid accusations of both parties engaging in infidelity throughout their marriage. Disillusion of the couple's relationship led to a highly contentious custody battle for their children, one set of twins and then sextuplets with each party demanding primary custody. The Goslin's divorce was finalized in December 2009 with Kate being with Kate being awarded full legal custody and each party granted shared physical custody of their eight children. The couple's court battles dragged on for years, only coming to an end following their sextuplets turning 18 in 2002 and no longer being bound to a court-ordered custody agreement. Also, I just got to say, I just saw that John Goslin said that he talks to only two of his children. And if you're an adult and you're, if you're, you know, and you have adult children and they don't want to talk to you, they might have a good reason. So 
maybe reevaluate basically everything that you're doing. Some of those clips, though, from John and Kate plus eight, like when they're sitting on the couch and Kate gets so I mean, they so clearly just do not like each other. When Kate <laughs> just leans over to him and she's like, can you stop breathing like that? Can you can you just like, why are you breathing so loud? Not saying that their relationship is relatable, but that moment in time, I was like, that is so relatable. Sometimes men just do things and you just want to be like, can you just not exist in that way? Can you just not breathe in that way? Can you just not sit there in that way? Like, I just need you to be doing something different. So again, not that Kate is relatable. Let's see where John and Kate are now. I'm going to try I'm going to look up Kate on Instagram and see if she's like, if she's around and kicking. Let's see. Kate Goslin, 2023. Yep. On Instagram. Oh, well, she hasn't posted since 2020, but her Instagram is Kate plus my eight. And I mean, looks like she's living a kind of normal life. I guess John and Kate plus eight was still going on in 2009 or not John and Kate plus eight, but Kate plus eight was still going on in 2019, which I had no idea. But she also posted about something in 2019 called Kate plus date, which I would love to see make a comeback. Oh my gosh. Doing like a bachelor style or a bachelorette style TV show with Kate Goslin. That would be iconic. I want to pitch it to somebody. Who can I speak to about this? I mean, Chris Harrison is out of a job, so maybe he would be interested in this. Okay, let's talk about Janet Jackson's boob. The defining boob of the century. And I was, I, I'm saying this century now because last century's defining boob was Kate Winslet's in Titanic. But then we've got Janet Jackson's. During the Super Bowl halftime show, I don't know what number this is. XXXVIII. What is that? 39, 38? I have not a clue. Halftime show, surprise performer Justin Timberlake ripped off a piece of Janet Jackson's costume during a performance of Rock Your Body. Gotta get you naked by the end of this song and popped her titty out. Revealing Jackson's bare breast covered by a nipple shield for less than a second. Therefore, coining the term wardrobe malfunction. That's, I don't think that's where it came from. I mean, for sure, people had wardrobe malfunctions before this. Anyway, Despite their equal participation in the debacle, Timberlake emerged from the scandal widely unscathed, true, while Jackson's career suffered immensely, leading to her music becoming subject to innumerable blacklists, as well as her disinvitation from that year's Grammy Awards. Jackson's media vilification later opened public dialogue surrounding arbitrary media censorship, brazen gender inequality, and the inherent sexualization of female bodies. Why was she even blamed? Why was this even in anybody's mind her fault? It is the it is the most like obvious display of sexism. He literally ripped it off of her. And we're mad that she has a nipple. Like what else was going to happen when a man rips off her top? I don't know. I just Justin never like has absolute rancid vibes. I mean, he's another one that like he cheated on Jessica Biel like two years ago and now like everyone forgot about it. I'm, I'm so confused by that. Same with Adam Levine. We're not talking about them anymore. And they did horribly hurtful things to women. I mean, it just sorry, but it does go to show that typically people will find a way to blame the woman in the relationship. I don't know why that feels easier to people. I don't know why women are easier to vilify. I, I'm not sure, but it's, it's kind of blatantly obvious with things like this when it is so obviously not her fault and so obviously his and people still blame her. That sucks. And that really did like 
that that boob. I mean, people talked about it for years. I remember Billy Crystal hosted the Oscars that year and he had like an opening song and he's talking about all of these movies that are nominated and he still brought up Janet Jackson's boob. Like it was, it wasn't even, it wasn't even quantifiable how big of a deal this was. Okay. Speaking of award shows, the VMAs in 2003, is this ringing a bell for anybody? Because during a performance at the 2003 MTV Music Awards, Madonna joined Christina and Britney on stage for a medley performance of her biggest hits, ending the performance by making out with Britney and Christina. The trio rehearsed the performance extensively and reportedly added the kiss at the last minute per Madonna's suggestion. Iconic. I love it. The performance remains one of the most memorable VMA moments. Well, one of them. We're going to talk about another one in a moment in history and has been parodied, referenced, and replicated innumerable times in the years since. I mean, I'm at the point now and also like reading all these scandals that I'm just on, on, you know, women's team, no matter what. Madonna, Brittany, Christina making out. I think it's an iconic move. It's such a shock factor, especially back then when homophobia, I mean, homophobia is still running rampant today, but you know, it's even more so then like two girls kissing publicly. Like you never saw that. It probably freaked me out when I was, I mean, that came out when I was 10. It probably freaked me out. Looking back, it was good for the world. It was good for the world. Sometimes people need a little infusion of some edge just to kind of shake up their reality a little bit. So I stand by it. I think that it's awesome. (laughs) Okay. Alec Baldwin. Do you guys remember his leaked voicemail? He's probably so grateful for 30 Rock because man, did that dig him right out of the hole that he was in. Amid a quarrelsome custody battle with his ex-wife, Kim Bass, I think it's Bassinger, in 2007, Baldwin left his daughter, Ireland, who was just 11 years old, a truly vile voicemail referring to her as a thoughtless little pig after she'd missed a scheduled phone call with him. Ireland, who is now 27, has seemingly forgiven her father, even making light of the of the voicemail during her father's Comedy Central roast in 2019. That roast is really funny. Bassinger's team was later accused of leaking the voicemail to the press, an assertion they vehemently deny. I mean, if you do terrible things, you probably deserve to be held accountable for them. I'm not saying you deserve for everything to be public, but you should have to be held accountable for the horrible things that you do. So I just think if you don't want people to learn about the horrible things that you did, don't do them. That's the best way to ensure that people don't find out about the horrible things that you do. Just don't do them. So we're going to finish out our trifecta here of some interesting scandals. So we've got the Mel Gibson one, Alec Baldwin, and then we've got Russell Crowe. I feel like these three kind of like, I don't know why they all feel in the same genre to me, like all three of those actors and like their weird scandals in the 2000s. I don't know. With Russell Crowe, the Australian actor was arrested at New York City's Mercer Hotel after he'd thrown a phone at a hotel employee when he'd become frustrated by a malfunctioning line. The phone struck the employee in the face, resulting in a laceration, and they sought treatment for an, at a nearby hospital following the altercation. Crow later pleaded guilty to third-degree assault and issued a public apology, expressing regret for the incident. Hear me out, okay? It obviously sounds terrible to, you know, have a phone thrown at your head. Don't you think you got some, like, sweet perks after that? Like, do you think that Russell Crowe, like, always gives backstage passes and red carpet tickets and premiere tickets to this this hotel worker. Like, do you think that in the deposition, or I don't know what's called, deposition, court order, whatever, he like paid him a bunch of money? Like, again, I'm not saying it sounds great, but I'm saying it's got to come with some perks. Some perks, if, if a celebrity accidentally hurt me 
or on purpose, like if I got punched in the face by a celebrity, I would almost care less about getting money from them and just say, okay, how about every red carpet that you're invited to? I have to be your plus one. (laughs) That's what I would do. That's what I would negotiate. Okay, let's talk college admission scandal. This is for sure one of the most recent ones. And don't worry, we've got a long list of these. So just buckle up because we're still chatting for a while. This was so much fun to research and I'm living to talk about it. Okay, the college admission scandal. This one is horrible. And the only funny part about it was the part that they made them take pictures fake rowing. Okay, in 2019, an FBI investigation named Operation Varsity Blues uncovered a criminal scheme in which parents were bribing their children's ways into top universities. Among those involved were actresses Felicity Huffman, best known for her roles in, def- in her role in Desperate Housewives, and Lori Laughlin of Full House fame. Huffman paid $15,000 to have someone take her daughter's SAT test for her, and Laughlin paid $500,000 to have her daughter enrolled in USC. Both actresses were arrested and did short stints in prison. The scandal shone a spotlight on how the rich are able to use money and influence to give their children an unfair advantage. I mean, yeah, like Nepo babies are real and they do have an advantage. And okay, you guys, I forgot to talk about this on my Instagram, but I don't really like Ben Platt. I promise this ties into Nepo babies because he is one. My beef with Nepo babies is when they act like they had to work twice as hard. That's just not true. Kendall Jenner has tried to pull this same thing. She was like, I was getting too recognized. So I just, I couldn't, I, you know, I had to work twice as hard. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. That's fine. It's not, it's, it is what it is. All of us understand that your parents are famous. They have money. You get opportunities that people don't. This is why I don't like Ben Platt because Ben Platt, first of all, I, this is from his armchair expert interview. I heard him talk about, you know, getting Dear Evan Hansen and performing on Broadway and getting into like a really fancy acting school. And he tried to do the same thing. He tried to say, I had to work twice as hard. And that's just not true. For those of you that don't know, Ben Platt's dad is like the biggest Hollywood producer ever. Like, go look at his IMDb. It's actually insane. He's produced everything. Like, sorry, but when you grow up with Reese Witherspoon on speed dial, your life is a little more advantaged than just some random kid living in like, I don't know, the middle of Minnesota trying to get a job on Broadway. Like you just are at an advantage. Deal with it. We all understand the, I think that the, whoever is on their PR teams telling them to say, well, just tell them you work twice as hard. Bad move. None of us believe it. Like the fact that Lori Laughlin can pay 500 grand and just have her daughter put in a college, which first of all, like, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares about what college your kids go to? And like, how how hard is it to like get them a tutor in high school and make sure they get good grades? Like, wouldn't you rather pay somebody $500,000 when they're like in high school and just help them study and memorize things and then get in on their own accord? And even still, that's kind of an advantage. Like, I just, I, I don't know, the Nepo baby thing. I'm not I'm not anti-Nepo babies. I think that obviously they're going to have opportunities that people don't have. They're going to show up in movies. I just don't like when people act like they're at a disadvantage because they're a Nepo baby. You know what I mean? Let's talk Ellen. Ellen DeGen. This was a very, this was a pretty recent one. The Ellen DeGeneres employee kind of scandal. People coming forward saying that working at the Ellen show was basically working for the devil himself. The comedian presents herself on her talk show as a friendly, down-to-earth personality. However, 
Rumors of mean remarks and actions have circulated for a while, and in 2020, employees began to speak out. In a report from BuzzFeed in July, employees alleged that Allen presided over a toxic work environment where they were exposed to sexual harassment, racist comments, and other issues from the show's producers. Following these revelations, ratings dropped by more than a million, and in 2021, DeGeneres announced that she would be ending her show after 19 years on the air. I don't like Ellen, first of all. And now that like people are posting a bunch of her old clips, she is like, I I used to think like, oh, people must love going on the Ellen show. People must love talking to Ellen. You can see how much people hate talking to Ellen DeGeneres. Like it, it's actually painful. I think Dakota Johnson was maybe the first one that people like caught on to and started to make videos of and be like, okay, she's like calling Ellen out, but it's, it's uncomfortable to look at now. Like people were so obviously not liking being there. And yeah, I mean, again, if you're doing bad things, if you're hurting people, you should have to have to answer for those actions. So now let's talk about somebody who's actually the worst person I've ever heard of. I just listened to a a full podcast about this. You guys know the podcast. I love time suck. He just did a full suck on the R Kelly cult. And it is more horrific than my summary can tell you guys. But R. Kelly, I mean, here, here's what this little snippet says. The R&B artist has long been suspected of having inappropriate relationships with underage girls. To say, to say the least, he was doing disgusting, disgusting things to these girls. In 2002, R. Kelly was indicted. 2002. Like this has been going on for over 20 years. We think that this is recent. No, this has been going on for almost all of our entire lives. R. Kelly was indicted on multiple counts of possessing obscene material involving children. Though he was acquitted, his lawyer really like finagled his way out of that. A year later, he was able to beat the rap again. However, in the late 2010s, more allegations of misconduct and abuse emerged along with a series of high profile documentaries, including Lifetime's Surviving R. Kelly. In July 2019, federal prosecutors charged Kelly with multiple felony counts, including racketeering, exploitation, kidnapping, and sex trafficking trafficking. And in September 21, he was convicted and then sentenced in 2022. He was that like, listen to the, that podcast that I just told you guys about, because it's worse than you can imagine. It was a full on sex cult being run out of a dungeon. I mean, it was torture in every possible way. He is the most disgusting person. He's up there with some of the, like he's up there with Epstein. He really is. He's a he's a horrible person. And I feel like we like kind of heard about this, but when I heard that it had been going on since the early 2000s, I couldn't believe it. I I didn't know about it until a few years ago, but like his, his team, his lawyers, they all got him out of some really twisted things. I know that criminal defense attorneys have to exist. I talked to my brother who's an attorney about this because I was like, how do people feel okay being criminal defense attorneys? Like when you know that you're defending somebody who did something horrible and he raised a good point, which is like, Sometimes they are innocent. Sometimes they're being charged with something that they didn't do. I mean, there's documentaries upon documentaries of people who are falsely accused of things. They have to get a criminal defense attorney. And that like that's why a lot of people go into it. But when people are criminal defense attorneys and they know what their client has done, like especially R. Kelly, there was just physical proof of so much of it. And then they stand by him and they want him to be free. I mean, I feel like if you like, I feel like they should be convicted also. I feel like they are aiding and abetting some disgusting shit. Okay. Another athlete scandal that defined a generation, Lance Armstrong's doping scandal. I mean, we all wore Livestrong bracelets, right? 
Like I didn't know one person in middle, middle school who didn't wear them. But this pro athlete and cancer survivor was seen as an inspiration by people around the world and raised millions for cancer research through his Live Strong Foundation. He was an example of what was possible if you worked hard and believed in yourself. See, we want athletes to be inspiring. However, in 2012, Armstrong disappointed the sports world and disillusioned his supporters when he admitted to using steroids to enhance his performance during his bike races. As a result, Armstrong was stripped of all seven of his Tour de France titles and was banned for life from the sport. Don't cheat. Not a hard concept. Don't cheat. Don't dope. Like it's, yeah, like if you don't want to, if you don't want to be caught for it, just don't do it. How has Nike not come out, out with like an anti-steroids campaign called Just Don't Do It? Probably because the majority of the athletes they sponsored do it. But yeah, Lance Armstrong was using HGH, human growth hormone and diuretics and also blood doping. I learned what blood doping was forever ago as something to do with like you take your blood, you put it in a centrifuge, you uh, like and then you get the white blood cells out then you put it back in your blood and then you don't get as tired. I don't really know that that I learned it like when I was in college. So I don't know, but it has something to do with with making it so you don't get winded as fast. And yeah, again, I mean, the sports scandal, scandals, Lance Armstrong was for sure one of those. Like, how many cyclers can you name? I can name one, Lance Armstrong. Like, it, he just transcended the sport. And same with, like, I mean, with Tiger Woods, I didn't know one other golfer. I mean, right now I could name probably four, which seems like a lot for me. And I say all of their names wrong. I've been saying Rory McIlroy for like three weeks. And finally, my boyfriend was like, it's McElroy. Anyway, yeah, but he just, he, we wanted him to be inspirational. He wanted to be inspirational. And then when you find out that they cheat, you know, they fall from grace. Okay, we've got two more. First, we're going to talk about Solange Knowles and Beyonce and Jay-Z in the elevator. Surveillance video showed Solange and Jay-Z getting into an argument as Beyonce witnessed the incident in an elevator following the 2004 Met Gala after party. The footage showed Solange yelling at the rapper before wildly hitting and kicking him as a man who seemed to be a security guard tried to restrain her. At one point, Beyonce stepped in to stand between her husband and sister. The surveillance video was obtained by TMZ, of course it was, and widely circulated. Ten days after the incident, the trio released a joint statement saying, as a result of the public release of the elevator security footage, there has been a great deal of speculation about what triggered the unfortunate event. But the most important thing is that our family has worked through it. Jay and Solange each assume their, their share of responsibility for what has occurred. They both acknowledge their role in the private matter and that has played out in the public. They both have apologized to each other and we have moved forward. The statement continued, the reports of Solange being intoxicated or displaying erratic behavior throughout that evening are simply false. At the end of the day, families have problems and we're no different. We love each other and above all, we're family. We've put this behind us and hope everyone else will do the same. When we all die and we get all the answers to the universe, I can't wait to have all the information about every celebrity scandal that's ever happened. I can't wait to have the audio of this elevator fight. Like that will be, I mean, that will be my version of heaven. Just have any bit of information at the tip of my fingers. Like you guys know I love The Good Place and how they can ask Janet anything. Like what's the most surprising celeb hookup? And the answer in the show is <laughs> it's Drake and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which I think like, but I bet there's so many random things like that that we never know. And yeah, in the next life, I'm going to ask and I'm going to know. But if you ever start to feel sad about your in-laws, just know that even Beyonce and Jay-Z have issues with their in-laws. <laughs> okay, let's end with one that has affected us all deeply. Kanye interrupts Taylor. When Taylor Swift won Best Female Video at the 2009 VMAs, Kanye was so outraged 
that he crashed Taylor Swift's acceptance speech and let everybody know what he thought. The moment was embarrassing for everyone, including Beyonce, for whom West was advocating. Beyonce graciously invited Swift back up to the stage to finish her speech when she won video of the year. West faced enormous public backlash, backlash for ruining Swift's big moment and apologized. But in 2000, 2016, he also later took credit in an improbable lyric for making Taylor Swift famous, setting off a new round of controversy. Again, this is one of those times where in pop culture, people say, I don't know. I just don't really like Taylor Swift. She's just, she's not very likable to me. There's something that rubs me wrong about her. And there's not something that rubs you wrong about Kanye. Like what? And I feel like now where we are in this current moment, we all know that Kanye edited the phone call. He put her on blast. He made it seem like she played the victim and he was doing everything right. And in reality, like she, she was the one we should have believed. And honestly, you guys know, I love Taylor Swift. Of course you guys know that, but something that is the most inspiring to me that she's done is taking that whole, you know, era obviously of her life and turning it into like a strength and turning it into something that she uses for content and music and set design and now doing the world's biggest tour that's ever existed and still having snakes show up and having it be kind of a part of her persona and not letting it it destroy her beyond admirable. I love her. I love her. She's an icon. Every time I think about like a mean comment that I get or something somebody did to wrong me, I'm like, okay, how can I use this as content? How can I use it? I'm not very good at it right now because I'm sensitive and everything makes me cry. But you know, I do think of her a lot. And how she used the world canceling her and coming for it and thinking that she's a liar and turned it into one of the most successful pop albums of all time. So let's end there. Let's end on our girl. End on our girl, Tay. Thank you guys for being here and reliving the last 20 years of scandals with me. I love nothing more. I don't love when people are hurt and I never wish that bad things happen to anybody, but I will always devour a celebrity scandal and give you guys my theories and thoughts on every little detail so thanks for letting me do that. I love you so much. Remember to always be safe and be kind and be hot. Subscribe, rate, review, sign up for Patreon for bonus content, and I will see you guys next week. Oh, and happy 4th of July tomorrow for those who celebrate. Love you so much. See you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you. So please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.